Ayah number 102. Uh, which surah? Surah Al-Baqarah. Remember when we did the first five ayat, one to five? It seemed like impossible to complete Surah Al-Baqarah or to complete the first juz. And Alhamdulillah, we're almost there. So gradually, you can reach your destination. As long as you stay determined and you don't give up. Let's start. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا الشَّيَاطِينُ عَلَى مُلْكِ سُلَيْمَانِ And they followed what the shayateen did, what the shayateen followed in the kingdom of Sulaiman a.s. In these verses we are learning about the Bani Israel. In the previous verses we learned when the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was sent to the Bani Israel through Muhammad sallallahu meaning the Qur'an was revealed. What was the reaction of the Bani Israel that they threw the book of Allah behind their backs as if they did not even know. We were told about their attitude towards the book of Allah. That how they turned away from it. How they did not give any attention to it. They disregarded it. They discarded it literally. They threw it behind their backs as if they didn't even know. So towards the book of Allah, what was the reaction? Of irad, of turning away. Why? We learned earlier that whenever a person disobeys Allah, whenever a person turns away from obeying Allah, the problem is that there is a calf inside the heart. That there is something that is occupying his heart, that has taken all of his attention. So a person is so lost into it, he's so much in love with it, that he cannot bother to do right, even though he knows he is supposed to do it. So the Bani Israel, what was the reason? Why did they turn away from the book of Allah? What was the problem? Because they were interested in some other things. Some other things were occupying their hearts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about something that occupied their hearts, something in their history. And what was that? It was magic. They were more interested in magic than they were interested in the book of Allah. Than they were interested in the religion of Allah. And isn't this true? Think about it. If there's a magic show, or if there's a person who can show tricks, aren't people attracted to him? They want to see what he can show, what he can do. Just imagine if you are sitting with your cousins and you want to share something that you learned in the Qur'an and you want to tell them about it. But there is another cousin of yours who knows some very interesting magic tricks or just tricks in general. What are people more interested in? Listening to you or watching their tricks? Watching their tricks. So this is the weakness of human beings that... They are attracted towards magic. Why? Because magic is something that's apparently very cool. That you can do stuff, you can do things that are very impressive, that ordinary people cannot do. So this is something that people have always been attracted towards. If you think about it, Harry Potter, so famous, so common. Similarly, this Sabrina, the teenage witch, so common, everybody knows about it. And I mean, if you read these books or if you watch these shows, you know how fake they are. You know how unrealistic they are. But why is it that our young people, why do they like to watch these things? Why do they like to read these things? Because they're so different. They're so captivating. They're so impressive. Likewise, the Bani Israel, instead of being interested in the book of Allah, what were they attracted to? What were they more interested in? In magic. That is what was distracting them, diverting them from the book of Allah. So Allah says, وَاتَّبَعُوا Instead of following the book of Allah, instead of paying attention to that, instead they followed. Ittaba'u is from the root letters ta-ba'ain. Taba'a is to follow. Ittaba'a to follow. But this is like closely following someone. 
doing exactly what they're doing. Just as we have been told to do ittiba'u sunnah following the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, what does that do? That we just follow him vaguely? No. Whatever he did, we do it in the exact same manner. If he ate with his right hand, we eat with our right hand. Similarly, if he drank in three sips, we drink in three sips, not four, not five. So this is what ittiba' is. Closely following someone. So what taba'u, instead they followed. Who did they follow? Ma that which tatlu shayateen. The shayateen did. The shayateen followed. Tatlu is from the root letters ta, lam, wow. And talayatlu, literally it means to follow something. What does it mean? To follow, to go after. But the word talayatlu, it also gives the meaning of tilawa, recitation. And I told you about the meaning of tilawa. Tilawa is used for the recitation of revealed scripture only. It's not used for the reading of some other book or some other text. Over here, tatlu gives the meaning of following. It doesn't mean reciting. Over here, what does it mean? Following. So what the shayateen followed, meaning what the shayateen did, what the shayateen practiced. And the word shayateen is a plural of shaytan. From the root letter shin ta, noon, or shin ya ta. There are two roots for this. So what the shayateen did, where did they do this? Allah upon Mulki Sulaiman, the kingdom of Sulaiman. Mulk, Mim, Lam, Kaf, Mulk is kingdom. And Sulaiman, who is Sulaiman? Alayhi salam, he is the prophet of Allah. Whose son was he? Dawood alayhi salam. And Dawood alayhi salam was also a prophet of Allah. Dawood alayhi salam was a prophet and a king. And his son Sulaiman alayhi salam was also a prophet and a king. Sulaiman alayhi salam was a very unique prophet, a very different prophet. In the sense that he was given prophethood as well as kingdom. He was the king and the prophet at the same time. He was the religious leader as well as the political leader. Muhammad ﷺ was also like that. He was also in Medina, the religious leader as well as the political leader. Sulaiman ﷺ, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had given him a kingdom that was not ordinary. It was the best kingdom that could ever be given to anyone. Sulaiman about him, we learn that he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's mentioned in the Quran in Surah Sad, ayah 35, that, that, O Allah, grant me a kingdom that you will not give to anyone after me. Meaning it is such that nobody else has anything like it. And we see that Sulaiman Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala subjected under him the jinn, just imagine the jinn, the birds, the wind, and a lot of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he had armies of not just people, but also of jinn, also of birds. He could understand the people, but he could also understand the language of the birds. And not just the birds, but even ants. In the Quran we learn about how he heard the ants, and he also heard the hudhud, the bird, the hoopoo bird. So Sulaiman had been given a lot of power. He was a king, he was a messenger after Musa Much after Musa So this happened when the Bani Israel were freed from Fir'aun. They made it back to their home country. And then eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them so much success, so much power, so much authority, and so much religious knowledge as well that they had a king like Sulaiman Sulaiman he had a lot of power. Now just imagine, if someone has the wind under their control, isn't that amazing? If someone can ride on the wind, I mean, you're basically flying through air. 
Today it's not something that's surprising. You sit on an airplane and that's it. You're gone from one place to the other. But just imagine, people are in air, in wind. And they're traveling, they're moving with the wind. And Sulaiman had the wind in his control. If you see something like that today, what would you say? Jinn. Magic. You think about magic and what comes to your mind? Magic carpet. That's flying through the wind. And you think about something magical, what comes to your mind? The genie. So, Sulaiman had been given all that he had by who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If Allah can give prophethood to his messenger, he can reveal the book to his messenger, he can give miracles to him, you think he cannot bestow him the best kingdom? Of course he can. Isa a.s., Musa a.s., they performed so many miracles. Imagine a person who was dead, Isa a.s. could bring him to life by the idhan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if Allah could give them miracles, He could also give such kind of prophethood, such kind of kingship to Sulaiman a.s. But what did the people think? The people thought that Sulaiman a.s. had what he had through magic, by the control of the shayateen. And we see that the Yahud, even till today, they think of Sulaiman a.s. not as a messenger, but they only consider him as a king. They don't consider him to be a prophet of Allah. So they said whatever he had, whatever power, authority, kingdom, everything that he had was founded, was based on what? The power of magic. That Sulaiman used magic. The Bani Israel, this is what they thought at his time and also after him, especially after him. But the fact is that Sulaiman he did not have everything he had on the basis of magic, but rather it was given to him by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, at Sulaiman salam's time, he had power even over the jinn. And the jinn can be used to do many things. He used the jinn to construct high buildings for him. He used the jinn to dive into the waters and find pearls, etc. for him. He used the jinn for very hard labor. He really put them to work. But you can imagine, if there are jinn very actively involved in a place, you think the people would not be interested in them? Of course they would be. It happens many times that if a person, if a jinn bothers them, it happens that there are many interactions between the jinn and the people who are living in that house or of that family, it happens. But the best way is what? To avoid any kind of interaction with them. So anyway, the people, they were very interested in magic, in gaining all that power, in gaining all that authority, and they thought the way to do that was what? Through magic, through using the jinn. So Allah says that, وَاتَّبَعُوا And they followed مَا تَتْلُ الشَّيَاطِينُ عَلَى مُلْكِ سُلَيْمَانِ they followed what the shayateen practiced in the kingdom of Sulaiman a.s. The shayateen, the devils, they used to practice magic. They're the ones who practiced magic. So the Bani Israel, instead of looking up to Sulaiman a.s., who were they looking up to? The jinn, the shayateen, the devils. Instead of being impressed by Sulaiman a.s., they were being impressed by who? The shayateen. It is also said that at the time of Sulaiman people became very interested in magic. So any kind of books or written material they had which taught how to practice magic, anything of that sort, Sulaiman took that, all of it, he confiscated everything and he concealed it, he hid it from the people. But when Sulaiman passed away and it was discovered later on, people said, oh look, he did what he did based on what? Magic. He was not a prophet, rather he was only a king and he used the power of magic. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, no, وَمَا كَفَرَ سُلَيْمَانِ And Sulaiman did not disbelieve. How? By learning magic, by practicing magic, by teaching magic. No. 
وَمَا كَفَرُ سُلَيْمَانَ Sulaiman السلام never ever practiced magic. He was given everything he had by who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then who is it that practiced magic? وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا But it is the shayateen, it is the devils who disbelieve. How did they disbelieve? By practicing magic. What does it show to us? That learning, practicing, teaching magic, all of this is what? Kufr. It is disbelief. Why? Do you know about the reality of magic? Magic, how is it done? By the help of the shayateen, by the help of the jinn. And with jinn, those who are disobedient to Allah. Jinn are another creation of Allah. Some are obedient, some are disobedient. Some are believers and others are non-believers. You know that? In Surah Al-Jinn, inshallah, we will learn about that. So, just like people. There are people who believe in Allah, there are people who don't believe in Allah. There are people who do good stuff, there are people who do harm. So similarly, amongst the jinn are also these types. Now, if a person wishes to perform magic, meaning he wants to harm another, he wants to do something very strange that people don't generally do, then what will he do? He needs the help of someone who cannot be seen. And who is that? A jinn. So in order to get the help of the jinn, what do people do? They try to please the jinn. They try to make them happy. And how will they please the jinn? How will they make the jinn happy? By gifting something to him. By sacrificing something for his sake. And the fact is that offering anything to other than Allah, offering sacrifice or anything like this, to other than Allah, what is this? It is shirk. إِنَّ salati wa nusuki. Indeed my salah and my sacrifice. This is for whose sake? لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ it is only for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if a person at the request of the jinn or at the demand of the jinn, if he goes and slaughters a cow, an animal, and he offers that to the jinn, this is what? Shirk. And in order to perform magic, people do the most disgusting things. The most disgusting things. For example, using blood to write the Qur'an. Why? Because they want to insult the Qur'an so that the shayateen will be happy. If the shayateen are happy, then they will listen to us. To get the jinn to work for you, you have to make him happy. Magic only works in what way? That I scratch your back, you scratch mine. I make you happy, you make me happy. So this is why magic is what? It is kufr. This is why it is kufr, because it involves the use of jinn, pleasing them, making them happy, disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I remember hearing a story of one man who was very young and he wanted to study the religion. So he went somewhere and... He went to study the religion over there and people, they were actually magicians, meaning they practiced witchcraft and magic. So they pretended that they were going to teach him something very good. So they said, you know what, you stay in this room. It was a dark room. They made him stay over there. They said, you have to stay here for 40 days. You're going to sleep here. You're going to use the washroom here. You're going to do everything over here. And at the end of the 40-day period, then a jinn will appear to you and then, you know, you talk to him, whatever. So imagine he had to live in filth in order to call a jinn, in order to communicate with him. So this is a very filthy business. It's a very disgusting thing. So this is why magic is what? It is kufr. It is shirk. So Allah says, وَمَا كَفَرَ Sulaiman. Not at all. Sulaiman never ever committed kufr. He was a prophet of Allah. He had all this power. He did everything he did, not with the use of magic, but by the gift of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Miracles are different from magic. Miracles are performed by who? By the prophets of Allah. And magic, it is performed by who? Magicians, those people who are the most disobedient to Allah. 
There's a huge difference between the two. So, وَمَا كَفَرُ سُلَيْمَانِ Allah says, not at all. Sulaiman did not do kufr. Then who is it that did kufr? وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا But it is the shayateen who did kufr. Notice the word shayateen. Shaytan, remember, is a creation, is a being who is rebellious, disobedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember the shayateen, they are from among the jinn as well as from among who? Human beings. مِنَ الْجِنَّةِ وَالنَّاسِ So, وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا But it is a shayateen who disbelieved, meaning it is a shayateen who practiced magic. The people among them or the jinn among them who helped one another, who assisted one another, cooperated with each other to perform magic. It is they who did magic. Sulaiman salam, he never ever did magic. وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفَرُوا And Allah says that يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرِ They would teach the people magic. يُعَلِّمُونَ عَلَّمَ يُعَلِّمُ تَعْلِيمُ What does that mean? To teach something. So they would teach the people magic. Now before we continue, a little bit more about magic. The word in Arabic that is used for magic is what? As-sihr. Sihr from the root letters, seen ha, ra. And what is sihr? What is magic? How would you define magic? If somebody were to ask you what is magic, how would you explain it to them? It's an illusion of the eye, a deception. But doesn't it have a reality? Like for example, if somebody has done magic on another person and they end up becoming very sick, you think it's just deception? You think it doesn't have an actual effect on the person? It does. So it's not only deception. You know, when it comes to those magical shows in which a person takes out stuff from his hat or that a person is lying down and they cut him up from the middle and he's perfectly fine. Okay, that could be deception. But magic also has a reality. Don't think magic is fake. It doesn't exist. No, it exists. It does have a reality to it. Now, magic, a sihr, it is everything an effect whose cause is unknown. What is magic? It is an effect, a reaction, whose cause is unknown. Meaning you do not know what is causing it. You see the effect of it, but you cannot figure out what is causing this. Like for example, you see a person lying down in a box, and you see the effect that a person is being cut up from the middle, but he's still perfectly fine, he's not bleeding, he hasn't died, he's breathing fine, he doesn't feel any pain. But you don't know how it can possibly happen. Because physically, if you cut somebody up, obviously they're going to die. They're going to scream in pain. And as you cut them, you're going to see blood coming out. But it's amazing that a person has been cut into half, but nothing of that sort. So you see the effect of it, but you don't know how it is possible. You don't know what's causing it. Similarly, a person is extremely sick. Extremely sick. And the doctors, they cannot figure out what the problem is. They cannot diagnose the problem. They cannot understand what is causing that problem. So it's an effect, but the cause is unknown. You cannot figure out what the cause is. It doesn't mean that any disease whose cause people cannot figure out, for example, if it's cancer or whatever, it has to be magic. It could be, but not necessarily. So what is magic? What's the definition of magic? An effect whose cause is unknown. And we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he said, إِنَّ مِنَ الْبَيَانِ لَسِحْرًا Indeed, of speech, there is sihr. Meaning, some kinds of speech are such that they have a magical effect on someone. What does it mean by that? That a person is talking, but you are feeling emotion in your heart, or you are feeling extremely angry, your face go hot, or you feel like jumping out of your skin. 
I mean, you feel the effect of that speech on your body, but how is it possible that the words coming out of the mouth of someone can affect you in such a way, can have a physical impact on you? So this is what magic is. You see the effect, but you cannot figure out how it can happen. And we see that what is meant by this kind of magic is basically that magic which is real, which is actual, and black magic or white magic, whatever you want to call it, magic is magic. Okay, real magic is haram. And if it's a trick, like for example, a person is holding cards in such a way that they show to the other person they cannot read anything, but they've bent them slightly so they can read the number that's at the bottom and they say, oh, this card and this is that card. And the other person thinks, oh my God, they know magic. It's not actually magic. What is it? It's a trick. So trick is not magic. We're talking about real magic. And all real magic, whether black or white or whatever you want to call it, is magic. And how is it done? In the Qur'an we learn, وَمِنْ شَرِّ النَّفَّاثَاتِ فِي الْعُقَدِ Tying knots and reading some charms and blowing them onto those knots. So it involves what? Tying knots as well as blowing charms, reading charms. And this is something that has an effect on who? On the mashur, on the person on whom the magic is being performed. And it has an effect on his mind, it may affect his physical body, And it could be of different, different types. Sometimes the effect of magic is that a person dies. Sometimes the effect of magic is that a person becomes extremely sick. Sometimes the effect of magic is that a person, he loses his mind. He doesn't remain sane anymore. Or a person's senses are not functioning properly. For example, he sees things which are not actually there. He hears sounds which are not actually there. He sees things moving when they're not actually moving. Or he doesn't see things which are right before him. So it can affect the senses of a person, the physical body of a person, the mind of a person, the health of a person. It can affect a person in many different ways. Similarly, sometimes it happens that the effect of magic is that the love that a person has in his heart for someone, it goes away. Or sometimes a person's heart is filled with love for the other. And it's like not normal love. It's not normal. Similarly, another effect is that People who were perfectly fine, now they've become extreme enemies. People who had wealth, health, everything has been destroyed. So the effects of magic are there. And they are of many, many different types. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls this magic what? Kufr. Because ultimately, magic is what? Disobeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, pleasing the shayateen, and harming other people. This is why this is something that Allah does not like. This is why it is something that is kufr, something that is haram, something that is forbidden to perform. So, وَلَكِنَّ الشَّيَاطِينَ كَفْرُ It is the shayateen who did kufr. How? يُعَلِّمُونَ النَّاسَ السِّحْرُ They would teach people magic. Which people are these? The Bani Israel. They were interested in learning magic. They would go to the shayateen and they would learn from them and they would practice it. Is it okay to do a car trick? Remember there is a difference between tricks and magic. Trick is what? You are doing something and you're showing something else. Basically, you're deceiving the other person. So trick, this is why it's called a trick, because it's a deception. This is something that even children can play. This is something that even adults can do. However, magic is different. So, وَمَا أُنزِلَ عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ بِبَابِلَ هَارُوتَ وَمَارُوتَ وَمَا أُنزِلَ This is connected with the beginning of the ayah. At the beginning of the verse, what did we learn? وَاتَّبَعُوا مَا تَتْلُوا شَيَاطِينَ That the people followed what the shayateen used to practice. They followed them. They followed their footsteps. The shayateen did magic. They also followed their footsteps. The shayateen harmed people. And the Bani Israel also followed their footsteps in learning magic from them and harming people. 
And what else did they do? وَمَا أُنزِلَ Meaning, and they also followed that which was sent down, unzila, it was revealed on who? عَلَى الْمَلَكَيْنِ Upon the two angels. الْمَلَكَيْنِ is a dual of, the tasniya of malak. Malak is what? One angel, malakain, two. What's the plural? Malaika. So what was sent down on the two angels, which two angels? Where? Bibabil, at Babel. Babel is Babylon, the ancient city in Iraq. And who are these two angels? Harut wa Marut. Harut and Marut. These are the two names of those two angels. This is referring to the two angels named Harut and Marut who were sent in the city of Babylon by who? By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And these two angels, they brought with them knowledge of magic, of sorcery. They brought with them knowledge of sihr, how to practice sihr. You may wonder, how is that possible? Angels, they are bringing knowledge of magic and they are teaching people how to practice magic. How is that possible? It is possible. The angels, they bring wahi at the command of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah gives it to them to deliver to the prophets. So if Allah can send angels with wahi to guide mankind, Allah can also send angels with magic to test mankind. To test mankind. The angels, when they brought this magic, they were obedient to Allah. They did whatever Allah told them to do. This is just like killing someone. Is that acceptable? No. Ibrahim salam, he was told to kill who? His own son. Prostrating to anyone other than Allah, is that acceptable? Not at all. But we see that the angels were commanded to prostrate to who? Adam salam, at the command of who? Allah. So when Allah commands you to do something, then it is right, no matter what it is. So these two angels, they were sent with the knowledge of magic. What was the purpose? What was the reason? To test the Bani Israel. This was to test the Bani Israel. Why? Because they already liked magic. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clarified to us what is right, what is wrong. He has clarified it to us, correct? But we are people with hearts. So we have likes and we also have dislikes. Just because we know we're supposed to do something doesn't mean we're going to like it. Just because we know we are not supposed to do something doesn't mean we're going to hate it. It's quite possible there's something that is forbidden, but our heart desires it. For example, music. People enjoy listening to it. They are attracted to it. There are many wrong things which we know are wrong, but still our heart desires it. And you know what happens then? Allah tests us. He puts us in a situation where we have the opportunity to disobey Him. But Allah tests us that what do we do? Do we follow our desires or do we prefer the commands of Allah over there? This is just like when the Bani Israel, they were tested. That they were told not to work on Sabbath. But what happened? The fish came. The fish came. They were visible to them on that day. So it was a test for them. Do they follow their desires or do they prefer the command of Allah at that time? Likewise, the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, when they were going to Mecca to perform their Umrah, they were in the state of Ihram. And in the state of Ihram, you're not allowed to hunt. But you know what happened? There were animals, there were birds that they could hunt that were literally within arm's reach from them. They could have easily caught them. They could have easily hunted them. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was testing them in that situation that what do you do? When you have the opportunity to sin, then what do you do? Do you remember Allah? Or do you get overcome by your desires and you forget what Allah likes and what He dislikes? So likewise, the Bani Israel, they were already interested in magic. 
So Allah tested them. How? By sending two angels who brought with them the knowledge of magic and they would teach people magic. However, Allah says, وَمَا يُعَلِّمَانِ And they would not teach. يُعَلِّمَانِ عَيْن لَا يُعَلِّمُونَ They teach. يُعَلِّمَانِ They too teach. Why is it they too? يُعَلِّمَانِ The alif that indicates two. تَثْنِيَةً Dual. So these two angels, they did not teach min ahadin any person hatta until yaqula both of them said yaqula dual of yaqulu until both of them said that innama indeed not but nahnu fitna we are a fitna we are a test fala takfur so do not disbelieve do not commit kufr the angels before they taught anyone how to practice magic they would make it very clear to them that look we are a fitna we are a test for you so don't do kufr don't commit kufr fala takfur the word fitna is from the root letters fatanun have you heard of the word fitna what does it mean a test a trial it's from fatana and fatana is to burn or to expose gold or silver to fire When you will burn it or when you will expose it to fire, to heat, what's going to happen? It's going to melt. And you know what this has done in order to purify gold and silver? You may have seen that if you have a ring of gold and you've been wearing it since you got married, by now it's probably very dirty. So what do you have to do? You have to take it to the jewelers and they will clean it. How will they clean it? Back in the day, they will clean it by heating it up. And then they would clean it. So this is what fitna is. A test that is extremely difficult, that you feel as if you're being burnt inside out. But you know what the purpose is? To make us stronger, to clean us. So the angels, they said to the people that, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ fitna, We are only a test, فَلَا تَكْفُرْ So do not commit kufr. What does it show? That the angels clarify to the people before teaching them magic. Why? To make clear who is it that really wanted magic. And who is it that didn't really want it? Who really wanted to perform magic and who was just following other people? Were the angels able to talk to the people? Of course. It's quite possible they came in the form of human beings. And the angels can do that at the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا تَكْفُرْ But the Bani Israel, people who came to the angels to learn magic, some of them, you know, when they were told, إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةٌ فَلَا تَكْفُرْ Some of them would go away. They would realize that, yeah, we shouldn't do this. Such a severe warning. And other people, what would they do? They would remain firm and they would go ahead. This is just like if you go to a haunted house. So if you go in and it says, warning, people who are under this age do not come in. People who have this condition of heart disease or whatever do not walk in. People who are expecting don't come in. They have a whole list of warnings. Why? To distinguish between who? Those who are scaredy cats and those who are not. So those who are not, come in. And those who are afraid, please stay out. Whoever goes in, enters at their own risk. If they get hurt, if they have a heart attack, whose fault is it? It's their own fault. Why? Because they were given the warning. They entered at their own risk. Similarly, the angels would make it very clear. You learn magic, you're committing kufr. Don't blame us, it's not our fault. And you know what? A person might object, then why were the angels sent? Why were the people given the opportunity to learn magic to commit kufr? You know what? Evil exists in this world. You are supposed to protect yourself. You cannot say, eliminate all evil and then I will be good. No, then there is no test. Then it's not a challenge. It's not difficult for you at all. 
then why would there be Jannah and hellfire? Why would there be reward and punishment? There is going to be evil, there is going to be bad, but you know what? You have to protect yourself. This is just like a person says, I'm not going to take any vaccination shots. There should be no diseases. Well, too bad. You're living in this world and there are going to be diseases. And if you want to protect yourself, you better take those shots. And if a person does not take them, and if he gets ill, then whose fault is it? It's his own fault. Similarly, the Bani Israel, they were being tested. You have the opportunity to disbelieve, but it's up to you. You go ahead, it's your fault. Don't blame anyone else. إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةً فَلَا تَكْفُرُ So the angels would say, حَتَّى يَقُولَ إِنَّمَا نَحْنُ فِتْنَةً فَلَا تَكْفُرُ And if you think about it, the angels, they brought wahi too. But did the Bani Israel run to that? No. When the angels brought magic, they ran to that. They were very interested in it, but they were not interested in the book of Allah.